is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. We're having stormy weather. There's stormy Daniels. All kinds of stormies going on out there. So I'm watching the news, the same news you are. I'm reading the news, the same news you've read. It's talked about all day long on talk radio. The shooting in Maryland. A resource officer stepped up, engaged the the perp, and put an end to it. Exactly as we said would happen. But I'm not going to talk about that for three hours. And Stormy Daniels took a lie detector test and she passed it. A woman of very high character and moral turpitude. And now an ex-playboy comes forward. Media's all worked up. The sexual harassment media that obviously doesn't have sexual harassment going on anymore. I'm not spending any time on that. Just going down the list here. And uh, But here's what I, I want to tell you. Before the show began, you know, I'm in the bunker. I broadcast from the bunker, but I have an office also. I used to have all my books on my dining room table. Then something happened. I got married. So I have to move all the books off the dining room table, which makes sense. So, uh, yeah. So I have them all on shelves where they're actually organized, which gets very confusing for me. And there's books on philosophy and philosophers, ancient history to modern history. I know it sounds oxymoronic, but there is modern history. Books on the founding, books on the founders, books on liberty, books on equality. Books on diversity, books on immigration, books on health care, books on economics, you name it. And I'm looking at row after row after row of book books, all of which I've gone through, all of them. All of which I'm not only familiar with, I'm intimately familiar with. Some people have hobbies, they bowl, they play golf, they do this, they do that. That's my hobby. And I'm looking at them, and I'm trying to find different books, trying to, trying to figure out how to figure these things out. What are you talking about, Mark? To watch what goes on in our country every day. To watch what goes on in our country every day. Driven in many cases by the media, driven by the Democrat Party, but whatever form it's driven in by the progressives. I have to go back to a book I wrote called Emeritopia. We are Emeritopia. We are a quasi-republic. We're not a republic anymore. We're a quasi-republic. And we're barely that. The media do not represent you and me. 
The media do not do what the media are supposed to do. The Democrat Party is not a party in opposition. Its leadership literally hates the traditions, customs, principles upon which this nation was founded. It is an anti-American party. And no, I don't mean all the Democrats. All of you Democrats out there are anti-American. But I mean the leadership clearly is. Clearly is. And I'm happy to have that debate. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, we actually have people in this country in positions of influence, politics, media, culture, and what have you, who either reject the Declaration of Independence or don't even comprehend it, who reject the Constitution or don't comprehend it, or just claim it defends them and their rights and apparently nobody else's. And I'm struggling with this. What do we do about this? I've written seven books. I have written seven books, not ghostwriters, not co-writers. I have written seven books. It is a labor. It's a labor of love, but it's a labor. And when you sit down to write a book, if you're a serious writer and you really think these things through and do your research, you're trying to convey a message, convey a principle, promote a mission, provide information. And I'm trying to figure out what to convey here. I'm trying to figure out what to convey. You see what's happened to our schools. Our schools have become, in many respects, indoctrination and propaganda mills. They don't teach liberty, ever. They don't teach individualism, ever. You could have an entire semester's course on the Declaration of Independence. Never. You can have an entire semester's course on the Constitution, but never. On the founders, never. What about capitalism? What about capitalism? Do they teach capitalism? No. Do they teach private property rights? No. They don't teach any of these things. And yet, folks, this is the core of our nation. These are foundational visions, beliefs, principles. And they're not taught, certainly not consistently, and certainly not across the board. People leave high school or college knowing more about Marx than they do about Locke. More about Karl Marx than they do about John Locke. Karl Marx is the father of 100 million deaths. John Locke is the father of the birth of America. In terms of his philosophy and so forth. I watch these news people, guys like Stelter and Tapper. Camarada. Who else? Scarborough. Matthews. I don't really watch them, but you get my point. Um, Maddow. These people are utterly, utterly ignorant of the American founding, or completely reject it. 
Do we have documentaries on TV anymore? About the American founding? About about the American Enlightenment? Even about Western civilization? Oh, now and then something pops up on the History Channel. But that's it! We spend more time talking about and listening about a porno star, more time talking about and listening about a phony author, more time talking about listening about a phony professor on news channels than actual news. Do you know what China's doing today that threatens America? Of course you don't. Do you know what Russia's doing today that threatens America? Of course you don't. Do you know what Iran is doing in the Middle East to threaten us? Of course you don't. Unless you yourself dig in. Unless you dig in. Do the news reports on CNN, excuse me, and MSNBC materially differ? No, they don't. Do they pretend to be objective? Not anymore. When your kids go to school, are you afraid they're going to learn too much about America? Too much about freedom? No. You're afraid you're going to have to unravel what they've been told in school. And so these institutions, education, entertainment, media, the Democrat Party, they've been corrupted. They've been corrupted with a poisonous ideology. A poisonous ideology that was exported from Germany into the United States and has taken hold. Rejecting. Rejecting certain of the principles that were imported in the United States through our founders from Britain in the Enlightenment. You understand, the whole notion of the Western Enlightenment is being rejected. The whole notion of Americanism is being rejected. I don't know. I'm not sure what to do about it. I sat down one day several years ago and I said, you know what? I got to come up with some solutions. And I wrote the Liberty Amendments. I said, there it is in the Constitution. We actually have Ron Paul's organization fighting us. As well as Phyllis Schlafly's organization fighting us. They say that we are threatening the Constitution. In addition to Soros-funded leftist groups and unions and so forth fighting us. I said, okay, let me write a book on the, the dire financial crisis that we're leaving our children. And our children's children. Plunder and deceit. Do you know today as I speak, your Republican Congress is about to pass an omnibus, and it's ominous really, but an omnibus spending bill that is a monster bill. It is a massive spending bill. It's going to drive up the deficit this year and drive up the debt. And they're funding every left-wing program and project imaginable. And I think to myself, Can this ever end? 
Can it even be slowed? They're not funding the wall. Get the Koch brothers. They've made an announcement that Trump should cut his deal with the Democrats. Get a little bit on the wall. And get your amnesty through. The Koch brothers. How do we combat all this? Political. Congress closes in on massive spending bill. Axios. Congress considers a monster spending bill. What? Excuse me. Washington Examiner. Republicans propose billions of new Obamacare funding. Conservative review. Conservatives fear being steamrolled by Democrats on funding bill. Then we have this. NBC News. Democrats hold double-digit lead for 2018 midterm elections. The Republicans should be legislating like hell to advance the cause of republicanism. They are called Republicans, after all, aren't they? Maybe we should call them the toadies. Toadyism. We give them the House, we give them the Senate, we give them the presidency. And they spend like drunken Marxists. I wish the never-Trumpers would start focusing on their dear friend Mitch McConnell and their dear friend Paul Ryan. Because the never-Trumpers, truth be told, are phony conservatives and rhinos. That's who they are. Many of them come out of the Bush camp. But anyway, you look at the horizon here. And you have to ask yourself, and I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm trying to think this through with you. Where do you turn? What do you do? Where do you turn? What do you do? That's my question to you this evening. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. federal government and there's a lot of good callers waiting and we'll get to I promise look at our federal government let's just step back and look at it you have this all powerful supreme court really in most situations all you need is five lawyers of lifetime appointments as justices they can define marriage they can define speech they can define citizenship versus immigrant. They can define whatever they want. And there's literally no recourse whatsoever. Now, I can tell you that's not what the framers had in mind. The framers had in mind a federal government that would stick to the rules that the framers put in the Constitution. No way was the Supreme Court to be this powerful. No way. And yet if you dare to say what I just said, you're a heretic. The idea that five lawyers could say what the Constitution says and forevermore that's the position unless five other lawyers reverse. And that their statement, their so-called opinion is precedent. More important than the Constitution itself should tell you how unmoored we are from the Constitution. Look at the bureaucracy. Look at the power of the bureaucracy to destroy, to investigate, to punish, 
to go in prison. Where did that come from? It's nowhere in the Constitution. So Congress creates a department, an agency here or there, and gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and delegates its legislative power to unelected individuals who number up to two million. You don't even know who they are. You don't even know what their agenda is. You don't know if they're smart, if they're stupid, if they're qualified, or if they're professional. You don't have any idea. I don't have any idea. And yet it's assumed that they are noble, and it is assumed that they have power over you. Is that anywhere in the Constitution of the United States? Well, that's not representation, is it? It's not representation in the least. You have states. All the powers not granted to the federal government belong to the states. Is that the way it works now? All the powers not granted to the federal government belong to the states? It's assumed that all powers are granted to the federal government. Almost nothing belongs to the states unless, of course, they're run by leftist mayors who claim nullification of federal law. So now we have a society in which nullification is okay as long as it advances the leftist agenda. So what do we have here? What is this? I'll be right back. Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know, we've gotten to a point now in this country where if you dare to increase defense spending, uh, they say that's the cause of the massive spending increase. Of course, that's a lie. It's always been a lie. It's not the cause in the least. And again, we've reached a point in this society where the federal government does so much that is not constitutionally based, that when it actually does something that's constitutionally based, it takes away from those priority areas that the progressives have, which is massive domestic spending, redistribution of wealth, entitlements, welfare programs, and all the rest, that uh, they hide behind increases in defense spending, as rare as that occurs, in order to justify their massive not just massive spending that's out of control, but their massive perversion of our constitutional system. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> just because the federal government doesn't spend money on something doesn't mean money isn't spent on something. Just because the federal government steps in doesn't mean people in the private sector, businesses, employees, and so forth, haven't already stepped in or will step in. Look at it this way. Think about the amount of money that would be available to your family, in the private sector, business, entrepreneurs, charitable organizations, if we didn't have such a massive federal income tax. And Democrats attack any cut in the federal income tax, and Republicans claim that even modest cuts in the federal income tax are the greatest tax cuts in American history. It's amazing. For over half of our existence, we never had a federal income tax. We had one temporarily during the Civil War that was ruled unconstitutional. 
But until the 16th Amendment, there was no federal income tax. How did we survive? We became the strongest country on the face of the earth, economic, economically and militarily. We created the biggest so-called middle class of any country on the face of the earth. We did it without a federal income tax. We did it without the New Deal. We did it without the Great Society. We did it without the Fair Deal. We did it without Obamacare. We did it without massive infrastructure spending. We did it without all that stuff. How so? How did we do it? Electricity. Automobiles. Steel. What else? Virtually everything else. Without a federal income tax. (laughs) Without a department of this and an agency for that. It's hard to remember if you don't know history. It's hard to comprehend. And yet that's where we are today. Noel, Los Angeles, 870 The Answer. Go. Hello, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. You know, earlier you asked the question, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. First of all, you've got to realize that you're playing. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down so people can follow you. Go ahead. Okay. What have you got to lose? What? What's that? What have you got? Stop voting Republican. Vote Democrat. What have you got to lose? Well, my liberty, my wealth, and my country. So we should turn America into California. Is that it, genius? You don't have to turn it to California. Just turn. Oh, your- well, then we should turn it into New York. Is that it, genius? What? Tell me. Tell me. Pay attention. I'm educating you. Which of these blue, blue states should we turn America into? Point to one. You're, you're not going to turn any blue states red. Forget about it. Sir, sir, you're not even following my question. This is, you know what? This is the problem with the left. I'm going to give you one more chance. Listen with your ears, not your mouth. I asked you, which blue state in this country should we turn into, in other words, should America turn itself into? What's the best example of your blue states? California. There you go. Another schmuck. Well, enjoy it. Where do you live in California? What city? I do enjoy it. I do what enjoy city? it. Pal, pal. What city do you live in? Say that. I can hear you. What city do you live in? I live in Los Angeles. What part of Los Angeles? In the Hollywood Hills. Oh, Hollywood Hills. Why there? Because I love it. It's better than living in Kentucky or West Virginia. Okay, nobody asked you to trash anybody else. I asked you, why do you live in Hollywood Hills? You schmuck. You treat all right, all right, all right, all right. Chase the guy off. Can you believe that guy has a vote? But he does. That's Noel. Let's take another call. Israel in Morristown, New Jersey. The great WABC. How are you? Oh, fine. Thank you for taking my call. I, I have basically the solution. There's really only one solution to fix the problem at its source. And the real source is the government take over the educational system. By taking over the educational system, they've taken over the children. They've taken over everyone. They've taken over the philosophy, the ideology. And the only ones who are able to change it are the people with their vote. And I'm talking about all the people that vote, not only no, but, but that's but not that. correct. It's not correct. The institution, if you go to your local schools today, 
you say you can change it with your vote. People do vote, and they vote in different school board members and so forth. There's so much in your school you cannot change. Teachers have tenure. There are federal mandates because school districts take a lot of federal money. There are judicial mandates, like you must take in illegal alien children. That was a decision called the Everson decision, as I recall, or Emerson decision, whatever the hell it was, in 1982, written by Brennan, strongly objected to by the chief justice at the time. So it's not a matter of just voting, and this is part of the problem. Uh, The people... Here's the quandary. The progressives claim to be populists, claim to represent the people, claim to want people to make decisions at the ballot box, and yet that's not how they rule. If the people are in sync with what the progressive wants, then they like the voter. But if the voter's not in sync with what the progressive wants, they turn to the unelected branches of government, the courts and the massive administrative state. They build this massive administrative state for a reason, to rule over the people. They populate the courts with activists for a reason, to rule over the people. And when they don't like the way voters vote, they change the voter through massive immigration and through other laws and states and so forth and so on that make it easier for people who they believe will vote for them to vote for them. So it's not so simple just to say we need to vote. It's far more complex than this. You understand my point? Those who vote for school choice. Thanks for your call. There we go. You don't get to vote for school choice. I'd like to vote for school choice right now. I was president of a little legal foundation. I'm now chairman. We have a great president, Pete Hutchison. We litigated school choice for years and years and years, all the way to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin and so forth. And we won. But you don't get the vote for school choice. Where do you get the vote for school choice? It's a lot more complex, isn't it? Oh, TV. Former Playboy model sues to be allowed to talk about her Trump relationship. Coming out of the woods now. Unbelievable. And constantly on TV. That's the media. And then we have a polygraph test report from 2011 with uh, Stormy Daniels. And the, and, the, and the, what is that thing across her breast? What do you call that? They have that thing across there. Her breasts are hanging out. I mean, what the hell is this? News? News. It's all over cable. John Kennedy, bless his soul, while he was president, Can you imagine if the media were the same media that exists today? First of all, they cover up for him. But having an affair with a mob boss's girl, having an affair with an East German spy, having an affair with a 17, 18-year-old intern, makes Trump look like a Boy Scout. Juan, Northern Virginia, the great WMAL, go. Hey, Mark, how are you, buddy? I'm well, thank you, sir. You know, Mark, I I honestly think that the only way out of this is the Article Five Convention of States. But I but I but I think that the problem is that the Republicans are obstructionists. I mean, they are absolutely the worst. 
you know, they can't, they don't support Donald Trump in any way, shape, or fashion. They undermine him just about every chance they get. Um, but, it, but it's not, but Juan, it's not even about Donald Trump. Donald Trump will, whether he serves one term or two terms, he'll come and go. Every president comes and goes. I thought what you were going to say is the Republican Party has ceased to be, has ceased being a constitutional, small Republican Party. Absolutely, Mark. And, and, and I will. Well, hold on now. What is it? What is the Republican Party? I can't tell you. I have no idea because I don't know what their message is. And that's you what see. You see the spending they're getting ready to unload on us. It's incredible. This is what I told Mike, the call screener. I said, listen, I don't even know what the Republican Party stands for. The Democrats at least tell you what they want to do. And they, they're up front with it. I have more respect for that. But these Republicans, they say one thing, they do another. They say they're going to do this, then they do that. They're for gun control. They're, they're supposed to be not for gun control. But they have no messaging. Whoever is in charge of that part of the RNC, they really need, they, they need to revamp from the ground up. Because you know, they, the Republican Party has a real scam going on. They run as right of center or even some as conservatives. They get in and then they see their job as controlling us, silencing us disparaging us and this is the cycle every time and because they assume there's two major political parties the democrat party really is a a a a hostile movement and the republicans of course uh they'll they'll say what what are you going to do you're going to vote for us and that's why i'm concerned but i believe they're going to get creamed in the next election do you think the republicans are going to get creamed i think so too if if that's what you mean i could be wrong but i think they're going to get creamed yes no, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think I think that the Democrats are energized right now, and I think there's a lot of apathy. They're energized because their candidates and their politicians continue to advance their agenda. And here, even more to one, they respect their base, absolutely. even though they're lunatics. They respect their base. You and I, we're considered radicals because we want to cut spending. We want to control the size of government. We want to secure the border. We want to support our military and law enforcement. We want constitutionalists on the bench. We believe in private property rights and capitalism. You and I are to be dismissed because the Republicans in Congress, and most, many of them, if not most of them, they say they believe these things, but when they get into power, they will not do the hard work to advance these causes, will they? No, they absolutely will not. And, you know, Mark, it, it's evident, right? As you always mention, you know, the, history has shown with Reagan and even Trump to a certain extent, and you'll bear with me with this point, but when you show stark differences between a Democrat candidate and a person that runs on, on conservative principles, and Trump was some of that, maybe not all of it, the American people love it. They want that. But... You know, the Republican Party doesn't get that. And so they're, they're, they're lost. I don't know. It, it's really a shame. All it, right, Juan. Good call, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Trump congratulate Putin on his re-election. It's not really an election, is it? But it is hilarious to watch the media jump all over him. I'm old enough to remember when the Democrats conspired with the Soviet Union to bring down Ronald Reagan. I remember, because I'm old enough, 
The story's about Alger Hiss, a top advisor to FDR, who the Democrats defended left and right, but was a spy for the Soviets. I can remember when Ted Kennedy conspired with the KGB and the Soviets specifically to stop Reagan's re-election, even gave them advice. Imagine that, Robert Mueller. And I can remember, I'm old enough, when Hillary Clinton and the DNC funded a dossier uh, that was used by Putin and his apparatchiks to try and defeat Donald Trump. So the never-Trumpers and the rest, of course, they're all wetting themselves over this. This is beyond the pale, you see. Now, I wouldn't congratulate this thug, this killer, this enemy of ours. But then again, I wouldn't do a reset button with him either. But then again, I wouldn't send down with his flacky, his lack, Medvedev, and tell him, you know, after the election, I'll have more flexibility. I certainly wouldn't have given that regime 20% control over a uranium and so forth and so on. So there we are again. It's all, they're all worked up. Got the porn star and the uh, ex-playgirl, playboy rather, and uh, the author's gone and the psychologist is gone. And now we have this. You just have to ask yourselves where we're headed in this country. How would you like to be part of an effort to put a free copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence in the hands of very middle and high school students in the nation? Every one of them. Students aren't being taught the Constitution, so how can we expect them to understand and embrace what's necessary to protect them? You know, Hillsdale College wants to change all that. But they need your help. Hillsdale is taking the unprecedented step of sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration to every middle and high school public school, to their principals, every one of them, along with an offer to provide free copies for every student. Hillsdale is doing this because they believe that educating the next generation is vital to preserving liberty because they love America. This is what we've been talking about. Learn how you can help in this historic effort and how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's Pocket Constitution to keep or give away by visiting levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. To find out how to help send Pocket Constitutions to public schools and to get your own free copy. You can keep it or give it away, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Well... How about we take a call here? Hold on, hold on. Here we go. John, Los Angeles, California, Sirius Satellite. Go. Mark Levin, privilege to talk to you, sir. Thank you. I would like to just say that uh, when I voted for Donald J. Trump, you know, I was hoping that he would change the Republican Party. I didn't vote for the Republican Party of Ryan McConnell. I'm a conservative constitutionalist. And uh, what we have now, the Republican Party reminds me of Clinton, when Clinton was the Democrats, they are the Democrats of the 90s, and the Democrat Party is now the Socialist Communist Party. You know what? That's not a bad analogy. Well, thank you, sir. It's an honor that you say that. And, or, or you could put it this way, and I'm not opposed to what you said about the Clinton analogy. I think the Republican Party, and my buddy Craig Shirley writes about this, I've talked about it too, is really the Nixon Party now. And that is... Uh, it does many things left of center. Every now and then it'll do a conservative thing. 
And they will wave that around like that's the end-all and be-all, because for them it is the end-all and be-all. Let me ask you a question, John. I don't have a fax line. I don't have a phone line into my printer, and yet it keeps ringing that it has a fax. Now, what the hell is that all about? You hear that? Here, listen. Yes, I do. You hear the ringing? I can't stop this unless I throw it in the Potomac River, which I'm not going to do. John, thanks for your call, my friend. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Well, the weather, at least around where I am, is going to be pretty miserable. That's what I'm told. So I went out and bought stuff. No, not milk and toilet paper, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Honey, why don't you lower the radio right now? I don't want my wife to hear this because she's driving with her mom in New Jersey. I bought, you know... All the multiple food groups. Let's see. I've got some salami. I bought some meatloaf already cooked so I can just zap it. What else did I get? Boy, am I going to get in trouble. I got some frosted flakes and being lactose intolerant, I got lactose-free milk, of course. Now, on the positive side, I got some grapes and bananas Watermelon. Man, do I love watermelon. And it's Easter time, so I got some chocolate-covered marshmallow bunnies. Love that stuff. Love it. And uh, various other things to tide me over. Now, if we don't get 6 to 12 inches, which is what I'm told we're supposed to get around here, then I'm going to throw most of it away. Because I don't want my wife to come back to that. I will put in the refrigerator. Let's see. What can I put in the fridge? Almond butter. Celery sticks. Carrot sticks. What else? I don't know. I don't eat all that stuff. Tuna fish. But not with a lot of mayonnaise. Uh, pistachios. Oh, yes. Pistachios are supposed to be good for you. <coughs> and I like them. I just get sick of them after, you know, about 300 of them. But anyway, uh, that's what's going on. Now, the former FBI director, James Comey, in my view, should be in front of a federal grand jury. This is a very bad man. In my view, a very dishonest man. And Mr. Comey, if you disagree with me, you're I'll see in civil court, you're free to sue me. Because you're a coward. You'd never come on my... Mr. Producer, let's try something. Contact his publisher and see if they'll come on my show. And if you won't go on any conservative show, ladies and gentlemen, he's demonstrated exactly what he is. A hack. Former FBI Director James Comey, 
This is the Hill newspaper, so we know it's true. Is reportedly fielding movie and television adaption offers for his new memoir, a book that tops several sales charts one month ahead of its scheduled release, according to a Tuesday report. So all the left-wing kooks are buying the book and trying to drive it to number one. Conservatives don't do stuff like that. The Hollywood Reporter reports that Comey's memoir, A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership, (laughs) received pitches when the book's agents at the Washington, D.C.-based Javelin Agency visited Los Angeles last week. Quote, a film or TV deal wasn't something Comey even thought about until a flood of people in Hollywood called and expressed interest after the book was announced in early August. Comey said to be unsure if he'll sell the option in the end, reads one part of the report. Comey didn't accompany his agents, Matt Latimer and Keith Urban, during the trip to meet with agents, production companies, and screenwriters last week. No, he probably worked through his Columbia Law professor buddy, who was obviously his... uh, his route to leaking. Did uh, did any of the congressional committees interview this uh, or depose this Columbia law professor? I'm just curious. Is Mr. Mueller interested in him? Well, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about Mr. Mueller because you see, ladies and gentlemen, you really got to, again, step back and look at this. Reject what you're hearing in the media. Reject what you're hearing from politicians. And you ought to do that normally. Truthfully, you ought to do it normally. Reject what most of them say. Because most of them are liars and spinners. Mr. Mueller is doing enormous damage to our Constitution. Enormous. He's doing enormous damage to the rule of law. Don't listen to Trey Gowdy. He's an idiot. Don't listen to Lindsey Graham. He's an idiot. The idea that there would be a prosecutor with really an unlimited agenda, an unlimited budget, and an acting attorney general who's the deputy attorney general authorizing all of his journeys and excursions into this, that, and the other thing undermines our constitutional system. The Framers of the Constitution never created such an entity. They never created somebody with that kind of power. They certainly never would have created a subordinate, inferior employee to the President of the United States to have that kind of power. That wouldn't make any sense. Moreover, they would have seen the evil and mischief in Congress trying to use such a figure or... Hostiles within the executive branch using such a figure to undermine the republic, to bring down a president. I have called for a special counsel to investigate the Department of Justice, the FBI, and those entities. Not a specific individual, although he or she might, but the systemic corruption and politicization of these congressionally created entities, in my view, is demanded. But to have a special counsel whose sole mission is to find something, to find a way, 
to bring down a presidency and to do the work of the Democrat Party and, of course, the media surrogates does enormous damage to our Constitution and is doing enormous damage to our Constitution. Now watch little Dick Durbin on TV saying if the president fires Mueller, it creates a constitutional crisis. Put aside whether you believe the president should or not. The fact is we're already in a constitutional crisis. To the extent we even have a constitution anymore, we have a president of the United States who has to spend an enormous amount of his time dealing with this. And it's being cheered on and celebrated by his enemies in the media, the Democrat Party, and in the Republican Party. I can assure you that if George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, George Mason were here today, they'd find this an abomination, an absolute abomination. What's taking place? Moreover, you have been hearing now, Lindsey Graham, number of Democrats like Lindsey Graham and others, said that they want to pass a statute to prevent the President of the United States from firing Mr. Mueller. And I want to underscore this point that I raised last night. Congress has no power whatsoever to tell a president whether or not he can fire a subordinate. That's his branch of the federal government, the executive branch. They can't pass a law to stop the president of the United States from firing a subordinate employee any more than the president of the United States can issue an executive order requiring members of Congress to fire people on their staff. That would be laughable, wouldn't it? It's called separation of powers. And Lindsey Graham goes on TV and Trey Gowdy and these others who are celebrated. Why do you think these particular individuals are always on TV? Are they the smartest members of Congress? Are they the best-looking members of Congress? Are the most effective members of Congress? No. No. It's the opposite. It's because they're publicity seekers. They want to be famous. They don't really want to be senators and congressmen. They want to be famous. They can't sing. They can't dance. They can't do magic. They're not acrobats. So this is how they get famous. But when you hear a member of Congress saying, you know, we're going to pass a a statute here to prevent the president from firing Mueller, not only is that phony, since his people have said over and over and over again he's not firing Mueller, but they don't have the power to do that. That's the constitutional crisis. We're not only in one, but Congress conducting itself in ways that the Constitution does not permit. Now, in the meantime, while Congress is very, very busy trying to micromanage the president, what isn't Congress doing? On the Senate side, advising consent. 
When the President of the United States nominates individuals for presidential slots in order to fill out his administration, the executive branch, whether they're ambassadors, whether they're individuals at the Defense Department, the State Department, the Justice Department, the Senate actually has a responsibility. It has a role to give advice and consent or not. What is the Senate doing with that role? Well, this is important. When we come back, I'll explain. Lovin. Look how this culture works. James Comey is going to become extremely rich. The guy's a leaker. The guy's a liar. You can see the culture, including the media, the, the Democrats, many Republicans, the never-Trumpers, how perverse, utterly perverse. They want to do a movie on James Comey? Really? Going to do a movie on James Comey? I have a good name for James Comey's book. What's it called here? A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership. I have one. James Comey, Leaker, The Man in Depends. What do you think of that one, Mr. Producer? Now, see if you can get him on. We know how to sell books. See if Mr. Tough Guy uh, is able to come on the program. I'll be polite. I admit that I won't uh, be Mr. Star Trek there. Spock, um, the idiot on the nighttime show, Colbert. Why do I call him that? You ever see his ears? Something freaking going on there. Did you know he's an unlicensed proctologist? It's true. Joe, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark, it's Joe, Long Island. I just wanted to say that we got hoodwinked by a community organizer who became the biggest con man in American history. His name's Obama. He still lives 12 12 or 13 blocks away from the White House in a mansion sitting there with Valerie Jarrett trying to come out with different ideas to upsert this presidency. And it's a disgrace. All these guys, Comey, Brennan, McCabe, power-hungry people that just took advantage of us little people. And it's a disgrace to their families. And I hope they get in jail. That's what I'm just yeah, so well, frustrated about. Uh, yeah, good luck with that, unfortunately. Yeah, I hear you. Something's got to happen. We're going into a crisis, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to explode. And I hope mm-hmm. to God that Trump can withstand the heat. I think he's taken, I mean, can, uh, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Can you imagine being him waking up every day to another allegation, another controversy, trashing your wife, trashing your kids, day in and day out? Can you imagine that? I can't imagine let, let, let me ask you this. Were the, was, were the Clinton's daughter ever treated like Ivanka Trump? No, but our first job out of college was a $600,000 no-show job. Yeah, they set her up. They set her up she, for life. And she was set up, and she's living in a $10 million house in Manhattan. Mm. How do you do that right out of college? Well, she married a guy who's a hedge fund guy. But all that said, I'm quite serious about this. <clears throat> the 
The Trump kids are fair game. The Trump wife's fair game. You say anything about Michelle Obama. You say anything about his kids. You say anything about Hillary and Bill Clinton's daughter. I mean, but but everything's changed. It's changed. And let me tell you, it's not really because Trump is such a conservative. It's because Trump attacks them. Trump doesn't put up with them. Trump exposes them every chance he gets. And they can't stand it. It's not because he's such a great conservative. It's because he doesn't take their crap. That's why. I agree with you. But if you know the kid that she married, the daughter, that's Soros' nephew. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, Mezvinsky, I believe, is the kid. He lost a billion dollars in his head. All right. I don't care about him. He doesn't mean anything to me. All right, Joe. Take care of yourself. Eric. I'm the great. Where, where are you, Eric? Uh, Detroit. How are you, sir? How are you listening to us? I'm listening to you through my satellite radio. Yeah, you got it. You can't because they push us late into the night on WJR and they preempt us with sometimes the coaches' game and everything. And they think it's that's one, smart. It's, it's 100.7, the top. Yeah, I don't care. We'll listen to alternatively. You go ahead. All right. Well, um, earlier you're, you had a caller. He said he didn't know who the Republican Party was. And I think I can sum it up in a couple of sentences. Um, I'm a, I don't have an ideology. I'm an independent. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Well, what, I, what I'm trying to say you is... Don't, I don't, but, but, but you have no values? Well, no, I have values, sir. I mean, I, I, I just don't... Well, that's what most of us... Party. I know, but most... Forget about parties. You said, I don't have an ideology. Okay. But you have principles, right? Yes, I do. I have morals. And you have values, right? Yes, I do, sir. Okay. So... You do have a belief system. Oh yeah! I, I Don't mean, sell yourself short. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a Christian. I'm Catholic. I mean, I have values. I just don't follow one particular party 100 percent of the time. But you do follow your principles 100 percent of the time, or you try to, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, what, what I think is going on is, you know, for years the Republican Party would always, you know, say, "You vote us in, you vote us in, and we're going to take care of things." And finally, they get the power that they want. And now they're not in their mind. They're going, oh, God, now we're, we're accountable. What we do, we're going to face heat. So I think what they're, they want to lose the election on purpose um, come 2018 because they can go back and sit on their hands again and say, hey, we tried. In other words, it's too much work to actually be in the majority and change the course of the nation. Is that your point? Yes, sir. All right, sir. Thank you. We'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show. The pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now. 877-381-3811. By the way... Washington Compost lead here. Trump's national security advisors warned him not to congratulate Putin on his victory. He didn't heed their written instructions from the National Security Council. There's an individual on the National Security Council, I don't know who it is, who is leaking. They would leak the conversations the president had with heads of state, 
They leak the advice the president gets. They leak whether or not the president decides to follow the advice. I mean, he is the president, not the people around him. So people within the president's inner circle at the National Security Council are leaking. It's a terrible thing when a president can't get advice and make decisions. And by the way, I haven't lost my place. I was telling you about the uh, Senate Democrats and how they're blocking the president's appointments. This is actually rather extraordinary, and I want to get back to that because it's important. I mean, the executive branch needs to be manned. Congress wants to get involved in things that Congress has no constitutional authority to get involved in. But I don't hear Lindsey Graham and Trey Gowdy and all, and all the other miscreants. Uh, what's the idiot from Arizona? Flake? I don't hear them going on TV and demanding that the Senate act because they wouldn't get TV time. Are you hiring? Posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. Now, these invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. And ZipRecruiter, well, they don't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter Get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, you, my listeners, you can try ZipRecruiter absolutely free. Yes, absolutely free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. Now, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. There's a piece over at Powerline by John Hinderaker, and it's too long to read on the air. But here's the bottom line. The number of presidential nominees that are stuck in the Senate because Chuck Schumer and the Democrats keep insisting, essentially, on a filibuster vote is unprecedented. It's unprecedented. Mark Short, the Director of Legislative Affairs for the President, pointed out that Schumer is essentially weaponizing a Senate procedure and demanding cloture votes, that is, uh, in in effect, filibuster votes, on our nominees, he said. And then he eventually supports them. Uh, Short said at this point in the past four administrations combined, the last four administrations, the Senate had conducted 17 cloture votes combined. The last four administrations. Today, the Senate has had 79 votes in the first 14 months of the Trump administration. 17 over the last four administrations versus 79 in the first 14 months of the Trump administration. Five times the number of the last four administrations combined. You won't hear Jake Tapper talk about that or Don Lemon. You won't hear any of them morons over at MSNBC talk about it because they like it. 
They think it's a good thing. So we don't have ambassadors in key slots. We don't have personnel in key departments and agency slots. Because the Democrats do not want this president to have his own administration. It's unheard of. It's unheard of. They say resist. Resist. So they're using every, every, they're exploiting every opportunity they can to undermine the president. Now, where's Mitch McConnell? I'm so sick of that fool, it's not even funny. Or the rest of the slobs who line up behind him behind a microphone. Looks like a freak show. One guy there is like 6'10". The other guy is like 5'4". One's as wide as he is tall. The other one, I mean, what, what, what is this? That's the face of the modern Republican Party? Hey, you know what? Uh, we're doing some great things here. We're splitting like hell. We're 79 cloture. What could have been 89. We got him down to 79 here. We're going to build a wall. Of course, not our wall. We'll give them money overseas. They can build walls over there. What a jackass. I'm sorry. I can't stand Mitch McConnell. You're being so disrespectful. He's killing or trying to kill the conservative movement and selling out the Republican Party and the voters. You want me to be polite? No, I'm not going to be polite. All right. By the way, you know who my guest is next hour? I never announce a guest this early. But I'm excited about this man, and he and I spoke about a month ago. Thomas Sowell. The great Thomas Sowell. I can't wait to have him on. About a half hour or so, give or take. Sam the Man, Washington, D.C., on the great WMAL. Go. Hey, Mark. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, yes, sir. I really appreciate what you're doing out there. And uh, first-time listener, I'm sorry, first-time caller, long-time listener. Thank um, you. I have a, I have a question um, regarding these clowns. I should copyright that phrase. I like that. <laughs> well, before anyone else does. Anyway, go ahead. Um, just want to understand how these clowns out there that perjured themselves, flat-out lying, even though they're in the Justice Department and they're the highest level of the Justice Department, what gives them the right to say, oh, I took a memo and I turned it over to uh, uh, Mueller. What does that taking a memo mean? Susan Rice takes a memo of her, of her meeting with uh, Obama. Two weeks later, she's putting it out there, like the day before the inauguration. And he said, oh, hands off, we're going to do everything. No, 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 the day of the inauguration. Right? Fifteen minutes after the inauguration's done and we have a new president, she issues her, uh, her email. Was, okay, I ran into the president at the mall the other day and I took a memo. What the hell does that mean? And and, and by the way, we're supposed to believe that because it's contemporaneous, meaning these people thought ahead to write self-serving CYA memos to harm the president of the United States, that somehow that memo is trustworthy. It's not trustworthy. It's toilet paper. Lie. They got caught perjuring themselves over and over again. Well, now, 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 perjury is, is 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 a... term of art so in other words if you're not sworn under a certain circumstance it's not necessarily perjury they could be making false statements no question or they could be lying to the american people which is bad enough 
I, I, I'm just in shock that this is this is the world we live in. And these- how do you like this clown, Comey? Maybe they'll make a movie out of his memoir. Yeah, stupid May- like me. Did you know that's the name of his book? To handle that one. All right, my friend. Thanks for your call. Let's go all the way to California, Dennis. Bakersfield, California, Sirius Satellite. Go. Mark, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, earlier we had a guy down in Hollywood Hills uh, talk about how. Oh, we can, yeah, he was brilliant, wasn't he? We can fix this problem. And it, it shocks me that down there in the bubble, or actually any bubble that these liberals live in here in the state, they think that this is a beautiful place. It's deteriorating by the minute. We're seeing busloads, truckloads. Brown goes on the radio saying, we'll feed you, we'll give you health care. Because, Dennis, Dennis, there are these little pockets, these safe havens, these bubbles that they've created for themselves. Where they have HOAs, where they have gates, where they shoot up the price of the homes. Uh, They have estates. They have certain types of communities. I call these Mer- Mer- uh, Mercedes Marxists. And so they can sit back and, uh, and be the, uh, the leftists that they always were because they don't live it. They don't live on the border with Mexico. They don't live in the communities that, <clears throat> that are affected by open mass immigration. And uh, so they can sit there and theorize all they want. And that's what they do. But the sad thing about it, you go anywhere in the state, which was once considered pristine and it's deteriorating as i mentioned by the moment and look at it, san francisco do you see those photos it, it, i'm sorry did you see what's going on in san francisco oh it's pathetic you know honestly I, honestly in my view what was the prettiest city in america it really is to me being destroyed there goes the the democrats i mean we saw it in detroit we see it all across the country. Wherever their fingerprint is, this is what the end result is. Now, why is that? And, well, they're obviously not willing to take a look at the facts of what they create, which shocks me. Why are they not looking at the facts of what it is they're creating for all of us? I'm going to tell you why. <clears throat> they get up and they leave. They go to another they street. They go to another neighborhood. They go to another community. They go to another part of the state. They get up and they leave. They have two or three properties. They go somewhere else. Whereas most people can't just get up and leave. Or they have deep roots in California. Third, fourth, fifth generation. And they remember what it was like. It was a beautiful, beautiful state with a a serious government. So you have one party. What's happened? These guys are Maduro light. They're Venezuela light. That is, they will turn California into Venezuela if they get their way. It's already there. It's mm-hmm. already there. We drive I've down got the two kids, and- a son-in-law, and two grandkids who live there, and they're planning on leaving at some point. And they'll leave it. They'll leave it for somebody else to clean up. They voted it in, but it's somebody else's problem to clean up. It's all what? over the country this is going on. I, right, listen. I totally agree. And look at your community, Bakersfield. They got plenty of water in Hollywood Hills. Some of these these slivers of area that are densely populated, mostly liberal, they don't have a water problem. You guys, Bakersfield, 
uh, Fresno, <clears throat> other agricultural areas. You got to beg for water. They, I mean, it really does come down to life or death. They treat All right, Dennis. Dennis, I, there's nothing I can do right now, but I, I do feel your pain. I really do. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, I want to tell you something. I've said it before, but I want to reiterate it now. I like Donald Trump. I like him a lot. I've not been invited to Mar-a-Lago. I've not been invited to dinner at the White House or any of those sorts of things. That's not my point. I've met him two or three times in my entire life. Talked to him on the phone maybe four or five times. Haven't talked to him recently. Saw him at the White House a few months ago, really by accident. I was invited by the vice president, and the president heard I was there, and he invited me to come over. We spoke for like 20 minutes. Extremely intelligent. He was very inquisitive. He asked me my opinions on a bunch of issues. No braggadocio whatsoever. But even the public Donald Trump, I like this man. I like him a lot. And I know this is upsetting some people who are listening. I'll even go a step further. When he's no longer president of the United States, we're going to miss him. No, not because of the entertainment value. We're going to miss him because he calls a spade a spade. That's right. We're going to miss him because he calls them as he sees them. And... I think that's very, very important. And in many ways, I can identify with his defense against his enemies. Against his enemies. He's really never been treated fair, right from that first debate with Megyn Kelly. And Megyn Kelly is now over at NBC. Nobody even watches her anymore. And I, it's not personal. I don't, I don't dislike Megyn Kelly. It's nothing to do with anything. But right out of the box, the first debate, Rosie O'Donnell and this, that, and the other, never cut the guy a break. They thought he was a joke. Everybody thought Jeb Bush was a sure winner. He was a sure loser. He's a self-made man in many ways. Well, you know, he started out with a million dollars. Yeah, but he didn't start out with a billion dollars. And he built things, unlike the Kennedys. He built things. But look what he's done. I mean, to my amazement, too. And I, frankly, in some ways, to his own amazement. He became president of the United States. He beat a Republican field. He got the Republican nomination. And he went on to become president of the United States. He made an enormous number of enemies. He would have made an enormous number of enemies no matter how he conducted himself. I like him. I didn't always like him, but I like him. And the more he's under fire, the more he's attacked, I like him more. He's a man's man. Oh, what did Mark say? He's a man's man. I've got two photos on my wall straight across from me. In addition to my wife and all the kids, 
Actually, I'm looking at three of them right now. George Patton, Ronald Reagan, and John Wayne. All. All. The kind of man that that is so rejected today. You know, chaos at the grocery stores, that's the scene you see on your TV when an emergency strikes, right? Hurricanes, remember those? Yet there's a side the cameras don't cover, the people who are prepared. For them, a crisis becomes a mere inconvenience. Luckily, millions of Americans are already prepared. They did it when things were calm. Isn't it time you prepared to? Now, here's a simple way to start. A Mark Levin special offer for my friends at My Patriot Supply. This week only, get their 72-hour emergency food supply for $17.76 each, plus free shipping. The food is delicious and lasts 25 years in storage. It's a great first step. Order now, 800-294-2325, or use this special website, preparewithmark.com, preparewithmark.com. Make sure everyone in your family has one of these food kits. They'll only be available at this great price this week only. 800-294-2325, or preparewithmark.com. I'm telling you, you got to think ahead. You really do. 800-294-2325 or preparewithmark.com. And you know what's amazing? It's so affordable. And these disasters, we don't know when they're going to happen, but it's so predictable that they will happen. 800-294-2325. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Thomas Sola is scheduled to be with in about 10 or 12 minutes. I hope you'll stay with us. The shooting in Maryland. Great Mills, Maryland. With a school resource officer, resource officer, excuse me, actually stepped in and fired a bullet. Or they exchanged fire. He and the perpetrator. Here's Sheriff Tim Cameron today. Cut nine, go. Today at approximately 7.55 a.m., Great Mills High School student Austin Wyatt Rollins, age 17, produced a handgun while in hallway F in Great Mills High School and shot a Great Mills High School student, a female who was 16, and a Great Mills High School student, a male who was 14. School resource officer, Deputy First Class Blaine Gaskell, was alerted and immediately responded and engaged the shooter. DFC Blaine Gaskell fired at the shooter and what is described to me as almost simultaneously the shooter fired. First aid was immediately initiated by deputies, troopers, 
and school nursing staff to include a tourniquet placed on a shooting victim and CPR. There is an indication that a prior relationship existed between the shooter and the female victim. We are working as we speak to determine if that was, and if so, the extent of that, and if it was part of the motive for this shooting. Now, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we don't know if this would have been a mass shooter or not. And the good news is we didn't have to wait to find out. Because Blaine Gaskell, the resource officer, took immediate action and shot the shooter. Now, this is precisely why you're not hearing this in wall-to-wall coverage in the media. You're not hearing this in wall-to-wall coverage in the media. And you're not going to. Because it doesn't promote their narrative. Which circles back to what I was talking about in the first hour. I want to mention another thing. And I suspect that I'll be among the few. One of the ways you become, well, promoted by the media, the left media, and by the way, only promoted for a short time because they use you, is to attack a conservative, to attack conservative institutions. Because the media love it. And I'm sorry to say, retired Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters is among them. I never much cared for this guy. I think he's been on my show, if not maybe once or never. And there was a time when he was very, it was very interesting to read what he wrote. But he got increasingly, in my view, obnoxious and strident and intolerant of other views. Just my opinion. So he uh, put out a statement today uh, that he's leaving Fox. He's quitting, although I haven't seen him on there lately. Not that my eyes are glued to it. Fox has degenerated from providing a legitimate and much-needed outlet for conservative voices to a mere propaganda machine for a destructive and ethically ruinous administration. This is what he wrote to Fox News colleagues, which just happened to get to the media. Over my decade with Fox, I long was proud of the association. Now I'm ashamed. Well, good riddance. I've just started with Fox a month ago. Fox approached me. All I can say is up to this point, they don't bother me at all. They don't tell me what to say. They don't lobby me. They don't say be anti-Trump or pro-Trump. Matter of fact, you have a number of people on that network who worked in the Obama administration or worked in the Hillary campaign. They seem to go to great lengths to have some representation of different viewpoints. But look at my situation. I'm now on Sundays. I supported Ted Cruz in the Republican primary. Of course, I supported Trump in the general election, and I'm glad I did. There's many areas in which I support Trump, and there's some areas in which I don't. 
Ralph Peters is just dead wrong. You also have liberals on there, like Shep Smith. He's a liberal. Now, he's their news guy, one of their news guys, but he's clearly a liberal. They just signed him, apparently, I read it somewhere, extended his contract. And you have others on the news side, Chris Wallace, who I happen to like, others. They don't identify for Trump or against Trump or whatever. That's not how they define themselves. Brett Baer, probably the best journalist out there today, in my humble opinion, just calls him as he sees him. You look at his, I think they still call it the all-star panel. He always has a lib or a contrarian or somebody on there, a never-Trumper. I think Ralph Peters is angry because he went on with Tucker Carlson. And the two of them really went at it. And I don't think Peterson was necessarily treated fairly, but I don't think he necessarily treated Tucker Carlson fairly. So the brass knuckles were on. And I don't think Ralph Peters is used to that, and I don't think he likes it. The rest of us, we have to deal with this. But Ralph Peters doesn't think he should. That's my guess. I haven't spoken to the man. I don't know him. But he's now put himself out publicly. And so I'm free to comment on him. I wouldn't otherwise. Nobody at Fox told me to say anything. There's not this grand conspiracy that goes on. There's just not. I don't check in with Rupert Murdoch, although I like the man very much. I met him once in my life. My wife and I did. I don't know his kids. Never spoke to them. Never met them. They never told me what to do. Maybe that'll change one day, but it hasn't yet. I'm just speaking openly as somebody who watches Fox from time to time and saw that exchange with Ralph Peters and Carlson. I don't believe he's ever recovered from it. But he says, but I like the Fox Business Channel, he says. Really? He likes the Fox Business Channel. He likes Lou Dobbs. Lou Dobbs is a strong Trump guy. He'll tell you that himself. And there are others. I just think, in my opinion, this is sour grapes. And Fox is under constant attack. And I don't mind people having their opinion. They could be negative about Fox. Go for it. I hear it all the time about me. Excuse me. But he makes this comment, and of course it plays right into the left, like BuzzFeed has him right there, prominently. An ashamed Fox News commentator just quit the propaganda machine. And much of the rest of the lib media are doing the same thing. So uh, off he goes into the wild blue yonder. He will be a quick, a quick splash in the pan, and that'll be the end of that. I'll be right back. in. forward to this actually for a couple of months dr thomas Saul, how are you sir fine thank you well it's a pleasure to have you and you've written another great book discrimination and disparities now when you sit down and write a book i mean you have to have a reason to do that you got probably a thousand different ideas you want to uh, consider writing for a book and you settled on this can you tell us why i yeah i think one of the central fallacies at the heart of so many uh, poorly 
conceived uh, policies is the presumption that in the absence of some sort of uh, discrimination or, or other people, uh, genetic differences, uh, things, different individuals, groups, countries would tend to be more or less similar, if not absolutely equal, or at the very least random. And what makes that a fallacy is, first of all, factually, as you look around the world for facts, you don't find this anywhere. You don't look back through history, you don't find it. And what you find in many cases are very skewed distributions of all kinds of uh, outcomes, not only among human beings, but in nature. And one of the things that struck me in going through ge- geography is that uh, uh, 90% of all the tornadoes in the entire world are in one country, the United States. <laughs> and, and you could run through a whole list of things like that. And yet when I turn to social policy, there's always the implicit assumption that all these different groups are the same. Uh, for example, this most recent thing about the terrible shooting in uh, Florida, uh, one, of the, one of the factors that gets very little attention is that the young man uh, who did this uh, had been uh, in all kinds of trouble in school, uh, and yet the policies put in by the previous administration put tremendous pressures on schools uh, not to uh, uh, punish or discipline uh, people from one group more so than from another. And I don't know why you would uh, have such a thing. Is, is it preordained that uh, black males must have the same number of uh, problems as the Asian females or any other two groups that you might uh, select? So I wanted to try to dispel that. If the book does nothing more than that, I think it will uh, uh, be, be something of a contribution. Well, it's going to be a lot of a contribution because it's fascinating. You did your homework here, and you really do dig into geography and history and IQ tests and all these other things. And you come down to the bottom line, which is we're just not all equal. Now, are we? And and the other thing, and this is not even taking into account the time dimension. I mean, the same man is not equal to himself at different stages of life. So this... This is being pushed. This is being pushed by the progressive left. Why do they do that? You would have to ask them that. I think that it, it justifies their, their grasp for power because they, when they can say wherever there, there's not equal outcomes, that there's something wrong with the world rather than something wrong with their theories, uh, and that therefore you need them to come in and solve the problems. And their history of solving problems over the past century is extremely unimpressive at best. And you make the point, look, you can improve your lot in life, you can improve your community, we can improve the world, we can pursue peace and so forth and so on, but you need to do it the right way. You You need to recognize that there are certain differences among men and women, and as you just pointed out, a man at a different time of history and so forth, and there's really nothing you can do about it, really nothing you probably should do about it. Well, the one thing that we have to admit, uh, but don't, is that there's nothing we can do about the past. I, it drives me crazy when I see all, all the things that are based on trying to rectify the past. You know, college admissions uh, committees talk endlessly about that they're choosing among different applicants. And, you know, one applicant may be better than another in terms of his objective uh, academic credentials, but then he had all sorts of privileges that the other one didn't have. There's not a thing we can do about that. The only times we have any influence over is, is the present and the future. 
And I, I often think, uh, suppose someone who, who was more deserving than Jonas Salk had been admitted to City College because he, he, even though he wasn't equal in academics and so on, uh, he had to overcome more handicaps. The question is, would he been just as likely to, end, to, to create a, a vaccine against polio? I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're not there to uh, retrospectively reward people for their merit. You're there to try to put people in there who are most likely to add the, the most to, to the society as a whole in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, let's address some of these. A real bugaboo with me, but still people promote it. The minimum wage laws. Oh, it's, it's been one of my many losing crusades for yes. decades. Uh, the, the idea that uh, you, you can simply arbitrarily set a wage rate for people independent of their productivity and that this will have no effect on, on the probability that they'll be hired is, is insane when you think about it. Mm-hmm. And, and what are the consequences of minimum wage laws? A lot of consequences. The, uh, the most important is that the people who have the least education, the fewest skills, and the least experience are the people who are less likely to keep their jobs when you have a minimum wage law. And this is sort of personal with me, because, because the earliest data I have in testing this, with data on employment among black uh, teenagers, is 1948. And it so happens that 1948 was the year that I left home as a black teenager with no high school diploma, no skills, no job experience. And I was able to have, have, get enough jobs to be able to support myself until such times that things got better. Uh, thank heaven, the minimum wage at that point had been rendered utterly meaningless by inflation. In other words, the law was passed in 1938, and, and it hadn't been changed in 10 years, and this was 10 years of inflation. So all, all wages were far above the level space specified in the law, and so it was as if there was no law. Now, as years go by and, and they begin to raise the minimum wage, so as to be able to keep up with inflation, uh, that's when you see unemployment among black and white teenagers both increase to multiples of what they were before. Moreover, in 1948, there was no significant difference between the un- unemployment rate among black teenagers and white teenagers. In the later years, a huge gap opened up, so that black teenage unemployment became double or more what it was among whites. But this record does not make a dent on the people who are, who are hell-bent to, to put in these laws and are oblivious to the consequences. There's been a lot of efforts over the decades to control neighborhoods, communities, if you will. You call it imposed residential and social sorting. What has that gotten us? Where has that gotten us? It's gotten a lot, a lot of polarization. Uh, one of the things that most people are unaware of as an attempt to move people out of public housing uh, uh, projects and into middle-class neighborhoods have, have received their most bitter resistance from black middle-class people, uh, many of whom have saved up their money for years so as to be able to move, move, raise their families in a community away from the people who are, have the dysfunctional, function, dysfunctional people that you find in some other neighborhoods. And now to have the government come along and put those very same people into the places they tried so hard to get to uh, is just a betrayal. So some communities are unsorted, as you put it, and other communities are sorted. Yes. Based on government edicts. Yes. 
Well, the government is unsorting the people who sorted themselves. Because, you know, Harlem and black communities elsewhere are internally sorted tremendously. Uh, that's something that most people are unaware of. Blacks are not living at random in Harlem. They weren't when I was there, and they aren't today. It just seems so odd to me when I listen to you and step back and think about this. Why not just leave people alone? Oh, that's the last thing the left can do. What else is there for them if they, if they can't run other people's lives? Thomas Sowell, I'd like to have you another segment. Don't leave us. It's a great book, Discrimination and Disparities, Mr. Producer. Put it on all my social sites, link to Amazon. Folks, I want to strongly encourage you to get it. It's a very good, substantive, easy read, Discrimination and Disparities. I'll be right back with Dr. Sowell. Conservative. No ifs, ands, or buts. Call in at 877-381-3811. You know, only tax evaders and cheats get in trouble with the IRS, right? No. False. Nobody knows this better than Optima Tax Relief. Mostly it's honest, hardworking Americans whom, for a number of reasons, simply can't pay their tax bill. Like William, who owed $15,000 to the IRS with no way to pay. So William didn't file his tax return. It was quiet at first. Then came the letters, followed by harassing calls from collection agencies, and finally a letter to his employer. But by now the IRS had tacked on so much in interest and penalties, there was no way William could catch up and pay. Now, if you can relate to this, Optima Tax Relief wants to help you. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are good people, people with families, home savings, and paychecks that need protection which is how we've re- they've resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients, and they're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. So call Optimate Tax Relief, 800-499-6300, 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. I'm here with uh, Dr. Thomas Saul, his great new book, Discrimination and Disparities. Let's see, I lost my place. Well, anyway, among other things here in your book, it's not a very long passage, but you talk about slavery yes. and how we don't really understand the history of slavery. And so in many cases, there's a lot to learn from the history of slavery. Tell everybody. Well, yes. Good heavens. Uh, slavery, people have no idea that slavery was not, not a matter of blacks and whites. It is very doubtful that if most of the people who were either slaves or were enslavers were either blacks or white. <laughs> because it occurred all over the world. I mean, you know, Christian mon- mon- monasteries in, the, in, the, in Europe and Buddhist monasteries in Asia all had slaves. It was universal. At the time the United States was formed in 1776, Adam Smith's book, The Wealth of Nations, came out that same year. And Adam Smith pointed out that the only place in the world where slavery had been abolished was Western Europe. And, of course, the Western Europeans had slaves on the Western Hemisphere. So this is a ubiquitous human institution. Uh, John Stuart Mill in the middle of the 19th century pointed out that virtually all races of people had been slaves at one point or another. None of that comes through today because slavery is seen like everything else in terms of how it will uh, help or, or hinder the agenda of the left. And so they now present it as if blacks were the only people and they presented as, and, and, and Roots, unfortunately, 
as if blacks went to Africa and enslaved, enslaved slaves, uh, the African people. In point of fact, in Africa, as in many other places, the, some people enslaved those who were near to them. That is, the other Africans enslaved the Africans and then sold them to the Europeans. But there, there was no nonsense about it, in most cases, of Europeans going to Africa and actually directly uh, enslaving people. And you point out that in Europe, Europeans enslaved Europeans, depending oh, they, on who the they, Europeans well, were. The very word slave comes from the word for Slavs, because mm -hmm. Slavs were people massively enslaved for centuries before there was ever a single African brought to the Western Hemisphere. Mm -hmm. And apparently it'll be controversial if you point these things out, isn't it? Well, it, it comes like a bolt from the blue. But in point <laughs> of fact, uh, uh, there, are, there are people who devoted their lives to uh, uh, researching slavery around the world, and they say it, and it's, 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 a, it's a common understanding among them, that yes, that's true, everybody was enslaved. You know, you have a passage here that really caught my, several of them, but this one. Among the appalling things about the past, it is hard to know which was the worst since there are all too many candidates from around the world for that designation. That something like the Holocaust could have happened after a thousand years of civilization and in one of the most advanced societies is almost as incomprehensible intellectually as it is devastating morally and in terms of showing what depths of depravity are possible in all human beings. It is a painful reminder of a description of civilization as a thin crust over a volcano. You're saying here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, things are not permanent. No, by, by no stretch of the One of the most scary things about reading the history of various groups, and especially hostilities among groups, is that you can have whole generations of groups that peacefully coexist, and then something will come along. It might be an incident, or it might be some talented demagogue. And the next thing you know, they're at each other's throats. And it's infinitely harder to put a stop to it than it is to, uh, to get it started. What do you make of what's going on in the country today? It's pretty, pretty bad, don't you think? Yes. Well, that, more than that, uh, the polls show that, that uh, people uh, in general regard racial, uh, ra race relations as worse than they were in the past. And if you believe the left, you see the, 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 the problems all were due to poverty and so forth. Well, in the era when there was far more poverty... You had far less of this than you have today. I mean, and there was a time when it was uh, common for whites to go into Harlem. Uh, if they had friends there, they could, they could visit them in their homes. They could to go into the theaters. Most people aren't aware, when Milton Friedman was a graduate student at Columbia, he used to go dancing at the Savoy Ballroom uh, with, 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 with uh, Rose. And in her later years, uh, when they wrote their joint autobiography, she referred at one point to how, how, how good it was in those long-gone days, as she put it, uh, to ride the IND subway. Now, the IND subway uptown went through Harlem. That was where the A-train was that you hear about in uh, Duke Ellington's theme song, Take the A-Train. And so here is Milton Friedman, five foot two. And, and Rose, about the same size, going to the Savoy Ballroom in Harlem to dance. And he said, no fear. Uh, you know, no one accosted them, much less mugged them, and so on. And all of that shot. Uh, one of the m m moments I remember painfully was being in a uh, high school in Harlem. And as I looked out the window, I mentioned to the students 
that uh, when I was a teenager, I used to walk my dog in that park, and looks of horror came over the students' faces that nobody in his right mind today would dare venture into that park. And I realized what a different world uh, we, we, we lived in, even when we lived in the same Harlem. Speaking of Milton Friedman, you were quite friendly with Milton Friedman, weren't oh, you? Oh, he was, he was a great man. And he would have you on, uh, and uh, you were quite friendly with Bill Buckley. He was on, you were on firing line several oh, times. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Do you think we miss that kind of broadcasting and intellectual back and forth in the public square? Oh, no question about it. No question about it. There was also a greater honesty. Uh, I remember my first semester at Harvard. When uh, my roommate, who was white, said, said to me, Tom, when are you going to stop goofing off and get some work done? And I was shocked because I thought I was working hard. Well, from where, from where I come from uh, at Howard University in Washington, I was working hard. But now, I was, you know, once the grades came out, it was clear that I was now in the big leagues, and I just had to work harder. And I did, and I did fine from there on out. But how many, how many, how many uh, uh, white roommates are going to say that to a black student today because mm-hmm. you don't and so instead of you know turning him around so he can so he can have a better life as well you know people say all kinds of mealy mouth things and the kid goes down the drain who didn't have to necessarily go down the drain i'm going to read you another sentence or two maybe i should have started with this but it's also something i marked in your excellent book and by the way the book is discrimination and disparities you know, it's it's not a really, really thick book, but it covers a lot of territory, and, it, and you read it very, very quickly. It says, you wrote, it, while it might seem plausible that equal or at least comparable outcomes would exist among people in various social groups, in the absence of some biased human intervention or some genetic differences affecting those people's outcomes, neither belief survives the test of empirical evidence. And you go on to prove that. Yes. But you can look in vain for, for what, what people talk about when they're creating social policy. The, the, the different groups uh, would, have, would have the same kind of outcomes if it weren't for some kind of bad thing happening. Well, there are so many factors involved in, in, in most endeavors, and there are so many combinations and permutations of those factors. It would be a miracle if different groups all had the same, had the same uh, outcomes. And yet the great equalizer as you say, as Walter says, as Friedman would say, and Hayek and Mises and the founders would say, is individual liberty. That's the great equalizer. Well, yes, you know, one of the things that's truly frustrating that I can only allude to in passing in the book is that there have now been created in various black communities across the country uh, some highly successful charter schools where the black kids not only meet national standards, exceed national standards, and in some cases exceed the standards in affluent, predominantly white suburban schools. You would think that people would be saying Hosanna and cheering them on. The hostility that these charter schools have attracted, they have been, you know, uh, opposed by by the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. The black caucus, the Congressional Black Caucus, is opposed to charter schools. And yet these schools have brought a level of education that only the most optimistic person would even have thought possible when they open up in places like Harlem and the South Bronx and Bedford-Stuyvesant. 
and they choose the students by lottery rather than by ability, and they still succeed. And it shows just how utterly distorted the world has become, that these things are under political attack. You know, Dr. Saul, I could talk to you all day long. I'm sure you would enjoy that. But um, you really are a treasure to this nation. You know, um, I've read you all my life. I've followed your columns. Whenever I could catch you on TV, I would catch you on TV. And you've always made me smarter. And I think I speak for the millions of people who are listening to this program. And I want to thank you very much for coming on the program today. Well, 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 thank you for having me. All right. God bless. He is so special. And the book is Discrimination and Disparities by Thomas Sowell. I want to strongly encourage you to get a copy of this. I'm telling you, the light bulbs will go off and your eyes will open widely. He has the ability, and very few do, to concisely address issues in plain English. He'll walk you through history. He'll walk you through facts, as very few can. And uh, that's why he is so remarkable. And I know you enjoyed that last 20 or 30 minutes. I certainly did. I could listen to him all day. The book is Discrimination and Disparities. Dr. Thomas Saul, I want to strongly encourage you, while you're listening to me, go ahead to Amazon and go through uh, my Facebook site, Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter, or directly to Amazon and get his brand new book. It's well worth reading. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. I uh, want to talk to you about our good friends over at FilterBuy.com. When was the last time you checked your HVAC filter? I mean, for many of us, the weather's turned quite terrible, and you're in your homes, and you got the heat up. Well, that heat comes through a filter. That air comes through a filter. You might not think it's a big deal, but it's a very big deal. Where do you think the air goes if not through your filter? Well, it goes, through your, goes to your lungs, ultimately. If you really let it go, you, you risk ruining your entire HVAC system. So you don't want dirty lungs. You don't want an empty wallet. You don't want to destroy your HVAC system. That'll cost you a fortune. So breathe better with FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. And that doesn't even cost that much. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all ship free within 24 hours, and they're manufactured right here in the United States. FilterBuy offers a multitude of MERV options, all the way up to hospital grade. So you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Now, right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery like I did. So you never need to think about air filters again. They just show up when they're when they're supposed to. And you go ahead and swap them in. Save money. Save time. Breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com. FilterBuy.com. And I want to remind you again, Dr. Saul's book is called Discrimination and Disparities. You know, in one month's time, I've had a great honor. In my premiere show, I'm Life, Liberty, and Levin on the Fox News Channel. I wanted Walter Williams, and I got Walter Williams. 
And he is spectacular. And I heard about Dr. Soul's new book, and I got to spoke to him for, for a bit offline. I asked him if he'd come on the radio show on the first opportunity when his book first comes out and spend more time than I normally allow an offer on, on this program. I think it came to 20 or 30 minutes. Probably should have spent an hour. What a great honor. Discrimination and disparities, Thomas Saul. And my conversation with him that you heard is the kind of conversation I would have with him in person. I really think it's important that we hear from more and more men and women who've made a difference, men and women who've thought things through, men and women who care about this country the way you and I do. I really do. Or one day we're going to wake up and the country's going to be gone. I mean, physically it'll be here, but everything we believe in. All the yelling, all the static, all the back and forth, all the guests. At some point, it's of no consequence. We don't need conga lines here. Anyway, I just point that out to you. Let's see here. Let us go to Pete, North Carolina, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hello, Mr. Levin. I was just wondering, um, when did you become a libertarian? I'm not sure what that means. Uh, you're talking just a... I'm a constitutionalist, sir. About individual liberty, and I heard... You well, that's in the Declaration of Independence. Okay, so those are... So you don't know what you're talking about. And, and, you, don't, you, don't, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Republic Conservative, quiet down, because you don't really want my answer. So I'm telling the audience. I have certain libertarian ideas, but I'm not a libertarian. I'm a constitutionalist. Republicans do not believe in... I said, quiet down. I'm not talking about Republicans. I'm talking about individual liberty. I'm talking about the Declaration. You know what, Mr. Producer, even though this guy's obnoxious, I want you to send him my book, Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. He obviously is not well read. So let's let him get started with that. The Founding Fathers weren't libertarians either. They set up a government. They eliminated the Articles of Confederation. What they are are constitutionals, Republicans, if you will, small-r Republicans, not Republican Party Republicans. And so they didn't believe in pure populism. They didn't believe in pure democracy. They didn't believe in any of those things. But they needed, but they believed that individuals should be free to live as freely as possible. So you're confusing two things, governance and individualism. The point of governance is to try and protect the individual and the civil society. You know, I can't get into all this in 30 seconds. We talk about it every night on the program. You might want to check in. So, no, I'm not a pure libertarian, uh, nor am I an anarchist. I'm exactly what I say I am every night on this program. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a little under the weather. Speaking of under the weather, we have a stormy weather and stormy Daniels. Oh, my goodness. Can't get enough of that on TV, can we? I want to salute all you heroes out there and thank you. Be careful out there, folks. And I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.